0: This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord. After he had said this, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt. That has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. So we always begin Palm Sunday with a procession that is intended to recreate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on that one Sunday, just before Passover, nearly 2,000 years ago. We may not think about them a lot, but processions play an important role in our lives. It is a revealing exercise to tell your own life story in terms of its processions. As a child during the 1960s, the first procession that I remember was the famous March on Washington in August 1963, during which Dr. King mesmerized the world with his I Have a Dream speech. I was five, sitting with my parents in the living room of our two-bedroom apartment in Wheaton, Maryland, watching the event on our little black-and-white TV, you know, the one with dials on it. I didn't know what it all meant, but I could see that there were a lot of people who looked very different from me and who plainly believed that our world was not as it should be. And then just a few months later, I just as distinctly remember another procession, a profoundly tragic one, J.F.K.'s funeral procession in November 1963 from the Capitol over to Arlington Cemetery. With that procession, I had my first glimpse of death. And even as a little toddler, I I felt a little less innocent than I did the day before. Then there were the protest marches against the Vietnam War in the mid-1960s, which introduced my generation to the harsh realities of war and violence, and then more tragic funeral processions in the late 1960s, as the country mourned the horribly premature deaths of both Dr. King and Robert F. Kennedy. But there were plenty of happy processions in my life, too. A high school commencement procession in 1976, our bicentennial year, a college graduation procession in Oberlin, Ohio in 1980, watching my bride process down the aisle when we were married in her parents' backyard in Princeton, New Jersey, some 41 years ago, commencement processions from law school and seminary, watching my daughters process down the aisle of the Washington National Cathedral as they, in turn, graduated from high school, and then later, as a father, watching these same young women process with husbands on their arms at their own weddings. I share all of these examples with you, not because that there's something special about my processions and my life, but rather to illustrate how the story of our lives can be told in terms of the various processions that we participate in to give meaning to the different strands of our personal and professional and social lives. And this brings me to the question the gospel puts to us today. Where in the story of our individual lives and in our communal story does the procession we commemorate today fit? Of all the different processions that make up our lives, what possible meaning does Jesus' procession into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey several thousand years ago, hold for us here and now. What you may not know about the Palm Sunday procession into Jerusalem is that there were in fact two processions that led into the city that weekend before the Passover festival. One was a peasant procession. The other, an imperial procession. From the east, Jesus rode a donkey down the Mount of Olives, cheered by his followers. Jesus was from the peasant village of Nazareth. His message was about the kingdom of God, and his followers came from the peasant class. But on the opposite side of the city, from the west, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea, entered Jerusalem, at the head of a column of imperial, cavalry, and soldiers. Although unfamiliar to most readers of the Gospel today, historians assure us that this imperial procession was a regular event that was well known to Luke and his readers. Roman governors and their military entourages would routinely come to Jerusalem the week before a major religious festival like Passover, not to celebrate, to be sure, but to maintain law and order, to make sure that the Jewish pilgrims who flocked to their holy city did not get out of hand and were reminded of the full might of Roman domination. These two processions, you see, each coming at the holy city of Jerusalem from two very different places embody one of the central conflicts of the gospel. Pilate's procession represents worldly power, the majesty of Rome, the concentration of wealth in the hands of a few, a willingness to use violence to protect power, and an open disdain for the poor, the stranger, the weak, and those living on the margins. Jesus' procession, on the other hand, was almost a calculated counter-demonstration to the imperial one. Jesus rides in on the bare back of a lowly donkey, and far from being accompanied by legions of heavily armed soldiers, he is followed by a ragtag bunch of outcasts joyously waving fronds like a bunch of lunatics, just as we did. (coughs) a bunch of lunatics, just a few moments ago. His message, moreover, is almost the mirror image of Pilate's. The coming kingdom, Jesus tells his followers, is not about power, but powerlessness. It is not about violence, but about compassion. It's not about being a master, but about being a servant. And it's certainly not about wealth, but about those in need. And it's not about an elitist and stratified society, but about an open and inclusive one. And as we will hear in our passion narrative later this week, and I hope you come back on Good Friday for that fundamental story, these two competing processions, one led by Jesus and the other by Pilate, collided violently With one another in world shaking ways on the cross. So, as we begin our journey this Palm Sunday through Holy Week, it is worth asking ourselves which of these two processions are we marching in? Are we with Pilate or with Jesus? And when I ask that, I don't so much mean within the comfortable confines of this church, where it is rather easy for all of us to pat ourselves on the back and say, well, of course, we're with Jesus. No, I'm really talking about when we leave this church, when we're out there in the world, when we're in our homes, in our schools, when we're citizens. It is out there in the world where the rubber meets the road and where our appetite to follow Jesus is really put to the test. When we look at the whole of our lives, can we honestly say that we are consistently walking with Jesus, carrying our crosses alongside his? Or are we unwittingly, perhaps, really marching mindlessly? alongside the pilots of this world? This is a hard and challenging and painful question, and it's one that convicts me as much as anyone here, but it is the question that Palm Sunday demands that we ask ourselves. You see, Jesus cares not only about our hearts and our minds, But he also cares about our feet and where our feet take us. As the writer Frederick Buechner once put it, generally speaking, if you want to know who you really are, as distinct from who you like to think you are, keep an eye on where your feet take you. As much as we all like to talk a good game, it's where our feet end up that matters. As we embark upon Holy Week, my prayer is that we might be granted the wisdom to pick the right procession, the strength to carry our own crosses, and the grace to march alongside the only one who can save us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.